This morning, our scripture reading comes from Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It is a text that um, was an interesting placement in Advent. This is one of the, the readings for this Sunday, the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, it's a text, I, I, one of the things I enjoy about, or the challenges maybe I find in, in sometime preaching through what I've shared with you is called lectionary readings, which are set readings for some of the, whole, for the Sundays of the calendar year, is that it pushes me into to texts and scriptures I might not on my own have chosen. This is one of them. This is one of them. I've never preached this text before. And, um, and so I kind of like that opportunity to get to dig a little bit. And, and it challenges me. And, and I hope the words I don't challenge or at least speak to us today um, as God intends. So let's begin at verse 1 there, Malachi chapter 3. This is the word of the Lord. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messengers of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord, or the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, that your word, your Holy Spirit, your work would um, refine us, speak to us, challenge us, change us into the way and the call of Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Christmas is a time, Advent and the, the preparation for Christmas is a, is a time of a lot of emotion. I mean, there is, you know, we sing of the emotion, we, we recognize, we celebrate the emotion of, of this time of year, uh, joy and peace and hope, excitement. Sometimes, as we talked in prayer, there is um, some, there's some sadness and there's some, um, some challenges that we face, but there's, you know, there's just a, a cornucopia, if you will, maybe drawn from the Thanksgiving imagery of, of emotion that go into this season. But I wonder how many of you have ever been filled with fear at the thought of Advent. Or, or anxiety, maybe, is a better word. How much does Advent and the true heart of Advent kind of stir up uneasiness within us? Now, I'm not talking about surface level fear or, or anxiety. Christmas has a way of doing that. There are things about Christmas and the building to Christmas that do cause anxiety. For instance, the fact that it's like two and a half weeks away. Okay, that's, that causes anxiety, right? I have Christmas lists for both Ryan and Cassidy. Um, and when I look at the price tag on some of the things on their list, anxiety, you know, that, that kind of a thing. So there's, I'll tell you, three words that raise anxiety at Christmas. 
I think three words that cause the most terror in parents or grandparents, especially of young children. Some assembly required. <laughs> There's panic in that. I can remember more than one Christmas Eve because, uh, you know, of... Uh, in the tradition and the presents would go out on Christmas Eve. And, and for us, especially when Ryan and Cassidy were, were small, you know, we'd, we'd come back from Christmas Eve services having done two or three services. And in some of the churches where I've been at, as, as churches you've been at, there was the, um, the, Christmas, the midnight service. So we'd come home late and finally get the kids to bed. And then we'd have to put the toys together. And it took every ounce... I had to maintain the joy and peace of Christmas. Um, and, and I probably, if Tony was in here, would say, probably didn't always do that very well as, you know, as you'd have pieces laid out and instructions laid out and tools laid out. And inevitably, I mean, even when I'm rested, it happens. You know, you forget a step, something gets put on backwards, something, you know, you're done and you're like, why do I have screws left over? You know, that kind of a fear. Uh, some assembly required. So there's those kinds of a- anxiety. But, but I'm talking about something far more significant. Because Advent means coming. The people of the day of, of this prophet of Malachi, they anticipated the day when the Lord was going to come and was going to make things right. Now, the text this morning is a little narrow, but if I had read a little bit before and read a little bit after, you, you get the context that, that the days are filled with evil in the, in, among God's people. This is about the 5th century B.C. when the prophet writes this. and The people have returned from exile and the, the city walls have been rebuilt, Nehemiah's walls, if you know your Old Testament. And they had anticipated this return to glory among their nation, and it hadn't happened. They were still under uh, Persia's uh, dominance. And, and Jerusalem and, and Israel itself was kind of a backwoods uh, country that just was not highly esteemed, and, and the people have turned again away from God, and they've turned to evil. And the prophet anticipates the day when the messenger of the Lord will come to prepare the way. Now, that's the tie-in to Advent for us, this text, the idea that the messenger will come. The story of, of Christ's coming is filled with messengers, in, in Malachi's understanding, they saw the prophet Elijah as that messenger, Elijah as the messenger. We know in the Christmas story, we have messengers throughout, angels that appear to Mary and Joseph to announce what's happening, angels that appear to shepherds to proclaim the birth of the king, stars that guide wise men, messengers. And then in the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, the one that we think of most often as, or most significantly, as the messenger, the one who made the way straight was John the Baptist. And that's how we read this story. The one who would say that I baptize with water, but the one coming after me baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The one who John would say, I'm not worthy to untie or to tie the, 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 the sandals, you know, to loosen the sandals. That, that's, it's all about messengers. And so Malachi says, the one is coming. He's coming and the day of the Lord is coming. And we think about that and most of us get excited the thought of the day of the Lord coming. But Malachi admits to his people, you need to be a little scared about that. Because at the day of the Lord comes the day of judgment. 
the day of accountability. And he says that in that day, people, the nation, will be held accountable. In that day, have you ever thought what it will be like to stand before the presence of God? I think that ought to fill us with a little anxiety. It fills me with anxiety because I know me and I know the me that God knows. I know the me that, you know, the psalm says that he, all the secrets of the heart are disclosed before the Lord. And that's not comforting because I know the heart that I possess and I know the secrets that I don't want anybody else to know, but I know the Lord knows. And, and I know the times in my life when, you know, Jesus says to love and to care, and I know when I'm not very loving and not very caring. I know the times when I don't do the very things Jesus has called me to do. And so this thought of standing before the one who is to come, the one who we prepare for, because Advent's about not just recognizing that Jesus has come and celebrating his birth, but to recognize he's coming back. And so I know I will stand imperfect before the Lord, and that fills me with some anxiety. And that's what Malachi says to the people. He's going to make us pure. And so the very thing that fills with anxiety becomes the very reason that we can have hope. The very thing that fills us with anxiety is, is also the very same reason that we can have hope. One, one pastor years ago um, had said that the true test of faith and character is that when we can say, come Lord Jesus, come, and mean it. Come Lord Jesus, come. And, and Malachi says that when he comes, he will make us pure. He will cleanse us. He will remove from the nation the evil among them. And for us, we believe that he will make us righteous. Paul talks about standing pure and blameless before the Lord. He says that over and over to the churches. He says, I pray that you will be able to stand pure and blameless before the Lord. Well, Paul knows that in and of ourselves, we're not able to stand pure and blameless. But the work of Jesus, the very thing that causes the anxiety, is the thing that gives us hope. That the one who judges us, the one whose presence we stand in, in our imperfection, in our shortcomings, in our sin, is the one that cleanses us from it. The one who came and gave his life so that we could stand in his presence with hope and peace and courage and faith because of what he has done for us. Jesus makes us pure. Malachi says the messenger of the Lord will purify the nation. But it's the means of purification that is interesting to me. If you go back to verse 3, and again, there's only a few verses. Verse 2, actually. Go back to that. Let's read it. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? It says, Malachi says, take it very seriously what it means to stand before the Lord. But he says this. He says, for he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. Now, if you were looking in your Bible, and maybe it's a different translation, and the first Bible I grabbed when I started preparing for the sermon, it wasn't launderer's soap. It was called fuller's soap. Have, have any, anybody ever heard of fuller's soap? Okay, I had never heard of fuller's soap. Refiner's fire I had. Let's start with refiner's fire. We've probably in your life been in a blacksmith shop. Here he's talking about gold and silver, and it's the process of making gold and silver a precious metal. It's the process of making it pure. And how do you make it pure? You fire it up. 
you melt it down. Now, catch this. The process of purification is to melt it under, under intense heat so that it can be moldable, shapeable, usable. But it's intense. Fuller's soap, launderer's soap. It's a soap that was used to clean the wool. Now remember, as you know, wool comes from sheep. How many of you ever been around sheep? How many of you smelled sheep? All right? Okay, wool comes from sheep, and so it smells like sheep. You know, we, we, we're disconnected from the process. Most of us are. We buy, if we have wool, we bought it from the store, and it's been taken care of. But this is a day when you took it straight from the, uh, from the source. Launder soap was this liar and, and uh, this kind of soap that would be used to scrub and to clean and to remove the dirt and to remove the stains. But the process can involve beating the material. It could be throwing stones at the material. It was, in many ways, violent in order to get it clean. The process of being made pure sometimes can be very intense. It can often be a part of the pain of life that we experience. Now, I'm not saying God causes that, but we tend to think of, of purification as this pleasant, wonderful process of being made who God wants us to be, and we sometimes think of it in the best of life. But what Malachi wants us to remember, what Christ says to us, is that God's work is done often in the very worst of our circumstances. Not as the agent who causes it. Let's, let's face this reality. We are, we are all broken in some way. All of us are broken. And I'm the first to, to stand in line for that. We all come in here broken. I say frequently, just some of us hide it better than others. That's the difference. Some of us are better at hiding how broken we are. But we are all broken. And we have to recognize very often our brokenness is our fault. We have a lot to say in that. Not always. There's circumstances and situations we go through in life that, that we have nothing to do with, that we are not the causing agent, we haven't done nothing wrong. But there are times that we go through really tough things in life, and we have to own that. We have to own our choices. We have to own the fact that we've made some pretty lousy decisions at times. And, and that's important. When I sit with folks in counseling, if I can't get people to admit their own failure, their own mistakes, their own poor choices, healing cannot begin. It just doesn't happen. Denial is a dangerous thing. And we all fall guilty of it. But the reality is we're broken. But God works in the midst of that brokenness. That's the hope here. God says, I will refine. I will make pure. And Christ says, I will cleanse you. But that process can be difficult. And we hold on to God's hand in the midst of it. We trust in God's presence and as we are made pure, even sometimes in the most painful of our circumstances, God is creating something beautiful. God is creating something valuable in each of us. And he never stops doing that as long as we hold fast to faith. I went this week with some friends, some clergy friends. We get together once a month, some clergy in this area, and uh, we have lunch together and we just kind of share. It's a support group. And uh, a number of weeks ago, actually when I was away in, in China, uh, but the, the clergy in the district met with the bishop. 
Uh, and he encouraged the, the pastor, he encouraged us to occasionally get out of the office and do stuff together. He said, don't, you know, relax, go do something fun in your support groups. And so they planned an outing, the, the group that I'm a part of. And so on Wednesday, we went to the uh, Cholule Museum in St. Petersburg. How many of you have been there? Anybody been to the Ch Okay. The Cholule Museum, for those of you that are wondering, is, is blown glass. Uh, Dale Cholule was like the master um, glass blower, and, and he has many apprentices, if you will, that, and, and that, that create just beautiful, beautiful pieces of art. And they're all out on tables, and they're worth thousands of dollars. And I kid you not, I'm like a little child. I walked around the museum with my hands because <laughs> I was scared to death of breaking anything. And they tell you, don't touch it. They said, don't touch it. You know, just look. So I, so I handcuff myself because, you know, there's still a little, little boy in me that wants to kind of touch. But, uh, but we went to the to museum. We'd walked and saw these just magnificent pieces that, that are created. When you first go in, there's a, a tub, if you will, the only thing you can touch, and it's filled with frit. Frit is just pieces of broken glass, just broken pieces that you can pick up and, and you can see, and this is where the process begins. Beauty begins in the brokenness as frit is melted down, like a refiner's fire, as it is made into a molten that can be shaped and moved and, and created, if you will. But I, but I thought about that. I thought about those pieces. We're like that broken glass that God shapes and creates beauty out of. But that process can be tough. But God's in it. That's what we hold on to. That's the, the promise of Advent. God does wonderful things and powerful things even in our brokenness. And that should give us hope. I don't, I don't want Advent to be a time of anxiety. I think we approach God with healthy fear, but not withdrawing fear, not hopeless fear, but rather the fear of the one who has made us and is continuing to work into us. There, there are many of us here that right now feel broken. I mean, you feel broken. Maybe it's physically, maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's spiritually. But don't lose hope because God does beautiful things in, broken, in brokenness. And many of us have been broken. Let me, let me back that up. All of us have been broken. And God does beautiful things. Hold fast to that. That is the promise. The, the, the key is not the pain. The key is the purification. The key is where God is going. Trust in that. Hold fast to that and allow God to work in you. No matter how broken you feel, remember this. God makes beauty out of our brokenness. Let's pray. Lord, we, um, we can come to you as we are, where we are right now. And, and none of us come deserving your grace, your love. None of us come able on our own to withstand your judgment. But fortunately, Lord, we don't stand on our own. We stand in Christ. And you take our brokenness and you make beautiful things out of it. And you purify us and you make us worthy by your grace to stand in your presence. Help us to hold on to that promise, to live into that promise. 
and to allow you to walk us through the difficult places as you do beautiful things. We pray in Jesus. Amen.